0: Hello, and welcome to Just Keep Writing,
1: a podcast for writers, by writers,
0: to keep you writing. I'm Marshall.
1: I'm Nick. I'm Brent.
2: And I'm Will. All
1: right. OK, so uh, today we have with us um, a very, very talented writer and a good friend of mine, uh, Zin E. Rocklin. I am so happy that they're here with us tonight. Um, if you're not familiar with Zin e Rockland, then that's gonna change after tonight. Um th- their horror is just off of the charts, like scary and amazing, and they dig into these uncomfortable ideas and themes in just such a really awesome way. And um, in particular, I think tonight we're gonna to be discussing the recently released novella Flowers for the Sea, which I mean you guys can't see if I'm holding it up. It's an- Beautiful cover. Uh, yeah, it's this really intense story. And I just want to have a chance to pick uh, Zen's brain about it a little bit. But first, I'm going to let Will kick it off with our traditional uh, just keep writing question.
2: Thank you. Okay. So, Zen, I want you to describe your writing career in three words, and they can be completely unrelated, whatever comes to your brain first.
3: Okay. Uh, my first word was hellacious for some reason. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, burgeoning.
2: And volatile. Ooh. Okay, great. So now we're going to um, unpack those words.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Hellacious. Talk to me, like, why'd that come to your mind first?
3: I think because right now I'm going through a writer's block.
2: Mm -hmm. So it's been, it's been
3: such pain in the ass. Like, wait, can I curse? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Go free. Sweet. Um, yeah. So it's just been a really bad writer's block and it's been incredibly frustrating. Um, because I feel like everything started to come off the ground for me and, and now I'm just like halted. So it's, it's been a pain in the ass.
2: And uh burgeoning.
3: I do feel like I'm at the cusp of something great, which sounds really kind of like <laughs> my ego sounds out of the stratosphere right now but <laughs> but I do feel like I'm at the cusp of something great and like something great is gonna happen. I just need to get over this hump.
2: I want to just say that your ego is, I mean it's right on point because reading your work is outstanding. I really just reading flowers for the sea. And then I read, um, I went on your website and read some more of your work. And I just think you are a really amazing, beautiful writer.
3: Thank it just you. really speaks
2: to me. I'm um, vicious. So that was the third word. Vicious.
3: Yeah. Vicious is, is a good word for sure. Um, I would say that that actually is better than the word that I picked. I was going to say, I think it was
0: volatile. <laughs> Was volatile. it volatile? Oh, you yeah, wrote vicious volatile. down. Okay. All right. Yeah. Volatile. Okay. Let's do wow, yeah. volatile. Sorry. <laughs> so take the questions away Feel <laughs> free to use yeah. both of those words.
3: Anyway. I, yeah, yeah, that's I'm fine. Say, I'll take vicious. Because I wrote it down dead.
2: wrong. Sorry.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'll take it. But so, yeah,
3: volatile. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wh-
2: how, why would you say like volatile just because of the way the industry has been going?
3: Yeah. It's very hot and cold. Like one second, you'll get, you know, two, three acceptances in a row and then you'll get about 60 rejections. And you think for a second, it's like, Oh, wow. My name is getting out there. People are recognizing what I'm doing. They're understanding my work. And then you get that, that cold slap of reality. It's like, no, sit your ass down, and keep mm-hmm. working.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. Um so I want everyone to know who's listening that there's going to be spoilers for the book. Cause I really want us to dig deep into the story itself, but I'm going to turn over with Brent first. Cause so he can ask, you know, the first question
1: Ooh, besides our okay.
2: traditional one. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, no, cool. Okay. So since um, we're going to focus on the novella tonight, um, I want to, this is kind of a basic question, but I, 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 so for everyone who doesn't know me and Terry are also in a writing group together. And um, we talk about dope things. And uh, so I kind of know we can ask this question. So for Flowers for the Sea, what was the, the story seed that kind of grew and became this novella?
3: Well, I always want to make a point of writing Black women who are unlikable because I want to show the humanity that it's still deserving of empathy and of compassion um i want to show that we are not just mammies from the help and we're not always the congenial like just advice giving sage advice giving type of character i want us to be shown as a character who's mighty and strong and wrong but you understand why they're standing in that position. So I wanted to extend people's sense of empathy and compassion. Um, but the actual story seed actually started that first line that children imitate razor bangs was actually a prompt from a bot. And for some reason it just stuck with me and I just started writing from there.
2: So can you give us, give um, the listeners like a pitch for the story? Like, how do you describe this to people who, uh, who haven't picked up your novella?
3: My elevator pitch is that I was using was um, a pregnant woman stuck on a boat with her last of humanity believes she's pregnant, believes
2: her baby is not human.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: throughout the story, like, when we just think of the setting, you know, the sea itself is like a major character mm-hmm. <clears throat> in the book. Mm-hmm. I felt that was. You can tell me if I'm like wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it like? Why, why did you choose to uh, place this story on the water and in the sea?
3: So I definitely have, a, and I'm probably going to butcher the name of it, but Thessalophobia, I believe it's called which is a fear of wide open ocean. Um, And it is because it's majority of our world and it's the least explored surface of our world because technically it will just kill you by just swimming down too far, it will kill you. Um, And that has always kind of freaked me out. So um, it's it's like that kind of fascination of what is below, what is there, what can what actually happens down there. Um, just like how cold and dark it is, has always fascinated me. Always, and definitely the sea is a character for sure.
2: Yeah, I felt like um, even within your descriptions of. Uh, the vessel and in the sea, it's like, I felt like when I was reading the story, I was moving. Like I could feel the ocean current, the way Mm -hmm. that the main uh, protagonist was, you know, dealing with everything. Go ahead, Marshall.
0: I want to, I want to circle back to something you said about writing black women that are unlikable that Mm -hmm. it was really when I read this, when I started the story, I, I didn't immediately make a decision whether I liked the character or not. Um, but at the same time, I, what I found really, um, what I latched onto was all these snaps and how quickly, how quick to anger, um, she was, um, I highlighted a whole bunch of parts. I was like, man, she is really laying into these guys. Like what is going on here? So, and I love how that tied in, obviously at the end, it, it was brilliant the way you did it. Um, so was that, um, I don't know. I mean, obviously you plan to have her be angry but um why did you settle on that emotion per se i guess
3: um i think i was kind of pissed off at the time <laughs> i I, it, I was feeling helpless it was during he who shall not be named during his accidental presidency mm. cuz ridiculous that that happened but i was i was feeling helpless i was feeling incredibly angry um and i wanted to i'm definitely not the type of person who is quick to react i definitely take a long time to figure out whether or not i should be offended and how i should react because obviously it's been beaten into me since I was a kid that it was like, you cannot be the angry black woman. And I wanted to know what that freedom would be like to be an angry black woman real quick. I wanted to know what it would be like to be able to go with that initial annoyance and, and revel in it and, and react with it and go with it. Um, so I just wanted to create a character that was incredibly angry and just pissed off all the time (laughs) and had no qualms in expressing it.
0: Well, and I, and I appreciated that so much because the number of times where I have been angry and immediately, you know, I'm labeled as the angry black man. It's like, I'm just upset. I can, can I can not be upset. Right. And so that came up for me when I was reading the piece and I was just like, yeah, yeah. Snap at them, please tell them, put them in their place. I love it. <laughs> Have that freedom. It was it was it was great. So I just had to ask you that question.
2: <laughs> yeah, thanks. So my next question, and tell me if I'm saying her name wrong. <clears throat> it's a Roxy. Exactly. Perfect. Okay. Cool. So I'm I'm really interested to see that. You know, you describe her as unlikable. Personally, I really liked the character throughout. Like mm-hmm. you could tell that she was in turmoil. But this, when we think of horror, we a lot of times think of um, horror as body horror. Right. And what was interesting is when we think of pregnancy, we always have been used pregnancy as flowery language, as something just beautiful. And Mm -hmm. you're giving birth and it's just the quote unquote epitome of womanhood. Mm -hmm. And I think what really like drew me in, um, to the story was, uh, this paragraph, which is in the first, like literally on the first page, the swell of my belly. Increases with each new dawn. My joints all filled with useless fluid, hindering movement and completion of daily tasks. I abhor my present state, but termination is not an option. I felt like you could feel her dread almost that Mm -hmm. she was, she did not feel like she was in her body. You know, she felt something was taking over her body so Mm -hmm. my question is what made you think of the character as being pregnant and not loving the moment of like carrying a child because i felt like in a lot of ways my sisters three of them have all said i hated being pregnant like it was (laughs) the worst they were all like you know all these things of like oh i loved being pregnant and my sisters would always be like who are they I just want to know <laughs> who are they. So, talk to me about your choice to describe the pregnancy in that fashion.
3: It always the idea of pregnancy always freaked me out. Um, I to be to be uh, personal for a moment. You know, trigger warning um, for for folks. Um, I have had two pregnancies that I did not carry to term, um, but so these pregnancies like it always freaked me out the fact that there is something in your body that is technically a parasite in any other context you would think of it as a parasite because it's sucking nutrition from you it demands that nutrition from you if you do not give that nutrition to it it will suck it from your bones Mm. literally from your bones like that is just if that's not science fiction and horror right there, like, I don't know what it is. It's just so the idea of this this life growing inside of you for however long to become this independent thing, this independent being was just is is mind blowing to me. So I wanted to explore that this is kind of horrifying in,
2: in various ways um, that we take for granted. 100%. I want to go, uh, I'm going to read another section of the book. Um, they called us NIMS, a word with hardly any meaning other than to spit upon its victim. It morphed much like forked tongues who spoke it an encapsulating slur that reduced one to shreds to the foam of the sea. We feared to nothing, but the scent of a bowel movement. My grandmother, my father's mother was the only was the only to spit back. She paid for it dearly, forced to flee with her own living kin as the hate licked at her back, the fire behind her cleansing the town of our name, of our contributions to the crown, who did nothing to stop its rabid townsfolk from murdering the ones they deemed strange, a strangeness they refused to understand because of our bond with the sea. I love that section. I find it to be haunting. And obviously, it parallels to our history here in the US. That's how I took it. Mm -hmm. But first, I want to ask you about the name NIMS. How did you Mm -hmm. think of that? And talk to me about constructing this world where her family was hated and feared.
3: Oh, well, I actually just kind of I have come up with naim first which is the the proper name of these these creatures um and from there i was just like what can i abbreviate it to to make it like a bastardization of it um so i did that and so nims kind of was a roll of the tongue type of thing um and so as far as i'm sorry was there other Part of your question.
2: My other part of the question was like, you know, like they're so hated and feared. Like Mm -hmm. when you were constructing the story, was this something like how did you come up with it? Like where did that initial spark come in that you were gonna talk about these creatures that were hated and feared?
3: Well, for me it was it was coming from a perspective of being outcasted from a very young age. Um, I remember feeling so foreign that I thought no one else ate rice. Um and just feeling very section like I my background is Trinidadian. I'm first generation American. And so it was like I was outcasted by black Americans in some ways. I was outcasted by my Caribbean family in some ways. Because I wasn't I wasn't Trinidadian enough. Um And then Black Americans also were like, you're not Black enough. And then I was also kind of, when I gravitated towards other groups, it was like, I wasn't, I was too Black. So it was like, you're constantly being categorized and shoved into a corner on your own. And it just created not resentment, it just created my own world. So. And that I think I, it, I was lucky in that sense because once my world grew and, you know, uh, grew along with others, including Black Americans, including Caribbean Americans, including other races, mm-hmm. like I grew in the sense of not coming from a place of anti-Blackness and not coming from a place of, of wanting to keep my corner, my corner, that type of thing. So I wanted to demonstrate what happens when you're ostracized when you are when you have to create that own section of your own world type of thing so that's kind of where i got it from
2: i love it um i want to read another section to you uh try everyone really um <laughs> yet the pregnancy was a measure too far once he began to show and the fortitude of this child was evident I was immediately regulated to the quarters beyond the green room on the second level of the four decked ship. So here we have her pregnant. She's probably more long term than anyone on the vessel. Mm-hmm. And she's, you know, basically trapped. You know, they're not letting her uh, go out. Do you, is that, was that a commentary on something on the way sometimes that, um, we try to treat anyone who's pregnant as though they're docile or they can't carry on um, their work. And can you just kind of talk about that?
3: Exactly. That's exactly what I was commenting on is like, there's uh, this kind of interchangeable awe and jealousy of people who are pregnant um, where there's an understanding that there is a certain fragility in the sense of, obviously you can't go around punching pregnant people in the stomach but like at the same time it's like there's a resentment there that is like well you put yourself in this situation so why should i treat you any different so it's it's this interchangeable type of thing of 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 this this resentment and this this awe um and i wanted to show that we tend to alienate because of that interchangeable that interchanging kind of viewpoint we tend to alienate pregnant people and um in some ways we put them up on a rickety pedestal so you get these some some uh pregnant people who are like i love being pregnant because they're showered with affection and attention and um Attention that they didn't get beforehand and things like that. And then you have others who are like, I hated being pregnant because of the reality of carrying this fetus. So it's, 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 I think pregnancy and motherhood are just alienating things that happen in your life. So I wanted to show that it can be physically, I wanted to physically alienate her to have that that resentment stew to have that that anger stew
2: so this is my other question too because reading the story i got a sense of it's almost like the whole entire community because she was carrying the baby to term that that's all she was Mm -hmm. right like it's almost like your value is for you to have a child that is what your value is and that's why we uh keep you around um, can you talk about that? Um, is that something you were like working towards when you were crafting the story, like as a commentary? Mm-hmm. Definitely, because you have these debates on
3: whether or not a uterus is, whether or not you, as the individual, own your own uterus, and you can make that decision for yourself. Um, so it's definitely something that. I have been freaked out by, um, and, and scared of, and things of that sort, not the whole gamut. And we tend to reduce people, birthing folk, to whether or not they have given birth, um, and whether or not they do have children. Like I'm 38 years old and, I'm also a bigger woman. So it's like, there's the assumption of, oh, how many kids do you have? And it's like, I don't have any kids. And then you get the judgment from that point on. So why are you so big? You're older. I don't understand. Like, well, you don't want to have kids. And it's like, that's none of your business. Like, (laughs) calm down. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, there's just a lot of violation that happens. um, When people believe that they have some kind of say over one particular body part of your, of your entire being. And that body part takes over the rest of your body, takes over the rest of your persona. Um, this is a woman who is ostracized, who's hated, who is, is they would throw her over the boat, over the side of the boat if they could and, um, and but they're too guilty they're too they feel too much shame to do it in the first place like but now they have this symbol of of continuation um through her so they have to put those feelings aside just to just to celebrate her womb so it's kind of just like this this it's amazing what happens when you, when motherhood or when parenthood comes into play, like you get vilified, but there's very little understanding as to what that process is like.
0: Uh, can I can I ask you to uh, something about that too? And I think this is a good movement towards that. The dynamic of the the relationships on the boat, especially with the. Mm the male characters, and then the physician character. I found it really fascinating because like you said, they hate her, but Mm -hmm. she's there. Um, she obviously has relationships with these people. Um, and there's, so I just, I guess my question is, what was your thought process behind the actual dynamics of the folks that are on the ship together that are not her? And, um, why? Why you made some of the choices you did, especially like with obviously the the little hints at relationships with the other, with you know, not even really hints, but the other relationships <laughs> between the other characters. Um, and then uh, yeah, that's I just I because I'm fascinated with, and I'm sorry, I I have to say one more thing. I'm fascinated with like end of times kind of stuff, and these mm-hmm. people are on this boat. I don't know why they're on this boat. These people are just like they're out there. They're trying to figure out something, but there's all these relationships that are going on. So I'm just wondering your thought process behind the other relationships going on around her.
3: I kind of looked at it as like, there was a girl that I went to high school with that a lot of guys called, and I apologize for this image, but they used to call her Jingleberry, mm. Mm. and but they kept sleeping sleeping with her. So it's like, and then of course she still looked bad, but they just looked like they're high fiving each other, giving each other dap, all this stuff. And it's just like, but y'all niggas nasty too. Like I don't understand, <laughs> <laughs> like y'all nasty too. But of course the woman is the one that that is is shamed. So it kind of was just like, to me, the whole kind of when you hear about a guy cheating and the the person he's cheating with is a step down from the wife, that kind of a thing, where Ket is the physician. She's going somewhere. She's, she's in so many words, much more attractive in some ways because she's a lot more, quote unquote, feminine than Eroxy um so there is this kind of well why would you go to a roxy when you have ket Mm -hmm. and i wanted to kind of touch on that a little bit where it's just like there's always going to be that kind of that contradiction that that thing that makes no sense in people's actions um and as far as, like, Eroxy looking at the, the relationships of other people around her, she doesn't realize how much she alienates herself either. Mm. So she definitely, like, she wants to be alone, but at the same time she knows that she, there's a part of her that knows that she needs people. So she selfishly expects them to, Count to like bow down to her, her demands, and then also like carry on without her. Mm. But then they carry on without her, and it's like, oh, but I'm still here. Like, how dare you? She's she's just she's a lot. She's contradictory, and I wanted to have that contradiction.
2: I want to talk about Cat for a minute because yeah. I find her fascinating, and I dislike her totally. <laughs> right. I just hate her. Okay. Um, and I want to talk about when, uh, um, Aroxy goes in and Kat's like, I have to, I have to check you. And the, the way that she probes mm-hmm. Aroxy felt so aggressive and alien and vicious. And at the same time, you were so masterful because you could see Kat wanting what Aroxy had. Can you kind of talk about that dynamic of creating these two characters and how opposite they were? It definitely
3: came from a personal place um, in the sense that, you know, I consider myself a mask femme. Um, and I just, it was something where I was always best friends with the popular guys and the popular guys would date girls like Ken who seemed like the perfect girl, um, and but was a total cunt to like girls like me, um, and people like me. Um and so I wanted to demonstrate this kind of duality within Ket herself of being this prize, this kind of trophy type of of, of woman but also just being just a jerk. She's just a jerk. Um and it's masked behind this kind of soft willowiness and all this other stuff, but she's a jerk. And I wanted to express that in the sense of like who's the real jerk in the situation when that room when that, that cheat closes? Who's the actual jerk that's going that that who's the cunt? <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So which brings me to Harat. Am I saying his name right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Perfect. Um, Harat is a really interesting character to me because mm-hmm. I feel just what you said about, you know, where you see yourself as being masked femme and then being in those uh, scenes with these girls who were like very feminine and uber femininity. Um, Harat is very, to me, very attracted to Aroxy and he is drawn to her strength of character but it almost seems like he is accepting cat because that is the ideal that he thinks he should accept can you talk about um creating the character of Harrot and like you know i i feel like what you do so great in this novella is you create complexities and all of these characters masterfully, and I feel like everyone needs to read your work because you really, with saying very little, say so much. So, can you talk about Herat for a little bit? Sure. Again,
3: my ego might sound like it's out of the stratosphere right now, but there are times that where I I'm, I'm not stupid. I know when a man is attracted to me because, and I say man because mostly because. Mostly, head men are just kind of the worst. Um, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> but like, no, I, no offense I, I... taken. <laughs> cis men, sorry, not yeah, head men, but yeah, head, yeah, head too. Um, where I know when to try when a when a cis head man is attracted to me, and but they're just pusillanimous assholes where they just don't know. They don't know how to express it. They don't know. They feel like they have to go for the Kim Kardashian instead of the broad backed mask femme who will actually support and be there and, you know, who has that personality to push them and to be something greater. Um, instead, they go for someone who is who will accept all their flaws and who will encourage those flaws in the sense that to their own detriment type of thing. So um, Herat's just kind of modeled after a lot of interactions that I've had with cishet men.
2: So I want to read this one paragraph because I want to talk about, this is where I feel like I really connected with Aroxy as a character because not only her anger, but she also has deep grief. And I feel like grief can come out in so many different ways. Um, I turn from him, hoping to capture fruit, only to grasp at disease. In seconds, the entire copse is gone, shrunken and h- hugging its remains against a tiny patch of charted soil. Behind the dead copse lie at my house. What had started as a hut built by the broad back of my grandmother grew by my father's hands into a cottage, sprouting a second story when me, then my sister, then my brother were born. My sister and I shared quarters the size of my room on the ship. Back then, I complained of suffocation. Now I choke on the emptiness. That, especially the last line... Just really spoke to the profound depth of Aroxy and just how sad she was, but how angry and she was and it just really layered her whole entire character um can you talk about you know the choices when you were crafting the story to you know have her come also from a place of grief
3: um hey. I wanted to. I think grief grief is, is is a hell of a beast. Um which and it's weird because it kind of follows the same line as far as treat it, how we treat pregnant people. How we treat grief is very much about there is a certain amount of time where people are going to bring food to your house and are gonna rub your back. And are going to make sure that you're, you're eating and make sure that you're bathed and make sure that you're okay. You're, you're functioning on some kind of level. And then they're going to get tired of it and they're going to expect you to just move on or at least function on your own and hide that shit when you get behind closed doors because there is, there's an expiration for a lot of compassion and empathy um, or, you know, it's all temporary with a lot of people. So it tends to morph into something else. Once, once that grief expiration date comes um, when that open grief, rather when that open wound is, is, is supposed to be sewn up and patched up and, and, and hidden away. Um it turns into something else. And for Roxy it ends up turning into anger. It turns into resentment. Um, but I wanted to exp- explore this idea of what can happen with grief and what happens to a person with grief. Um, so that was kind of, that was, that was my goal
1: with that.
2: Go ahead, Brent. Okay.
1: Sorry. I had to raise my hand. Okay. So um, when, that final scene in the story, I wanted to talk about that, like, where, like, I don't, I, I mean, I'm not, sh- I'm still not sure how I have sh- a feel about it, because part of me was like, yes, eat these fuckers, <laughs> damn it, finally. <laughs> I love but that. then the other part of me was sad, because, like, I don't know, I, I I wasn't sure if, like, it was vindication for Roxy, or it was just, like, I don't know. It was just like 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 this kind of bittersweet justice in a way. Like, I'm not sure if like she benefited from it necessarily. So I was just interested to think like, how do you feel about the ending? Like, do you feel like, uh, was, was Roxy vindicated or was it just kind of like, is it gray in your mind what happened? And you know, that's what, yeah.
3: It's definitely gray. It's definitely gray to me. Like I... I can't say that I ever wrote a version where she doesn't do that. My version from the time that Roxy entered my head was like, bitch, we gonna eat these people. (laughs) Fuck all of them. (laughs) Destroy the boat. Yes. Kill them all. Um, But I definitely, to me personally, it's definitely Grey. It's sad as fuck. Like, it's really sad that she's she's technically all alone because she's the only of her kind um she will be adapted into something like her daughter but she's technically the only person of her kind and she's going to be even she's now going to be surrounded with the physical space of loneliness so it's something that you know i went back and forth on in my own head after i turned in after i turned in the draft and like to my agent i was just like wow should i do this should i do this should i do this and you know the more i thought about it the more like complex it became in my head and i was just like you know what i'm gonna leave it to the reader Mm -hmm. be pissed off (laughs) (laughs) or sad for her or frustrated like it it seemed too easy to make it seem like oh well Roxy forgives them or she grabs like a couple people like or she grabs like a mitt you know and and tries to make things work with him like it just seemed too easy and it didn't feel like Roxy and Roxy is much too hot headed much too too impulsive for that
2: so it's definitely Grey i want to um just touch upon one more thing when um she talks about you know here we see roxy through the whole story has been almost asking for her death and then we find out that you know there's this quote but your anger that is destined for so much more and then she finally asks my anger and uh the character replies It's too powerful for this life to keep to these shores, to this smallness. It is more than Amit, more than a spoiled prince of a small land, more than your family, more than your outcal status. I nearly choke with each revelation. The urge to run hungrily snares at my curiosity, and I am tempted to undo this magic, tempted to breathe deep once again. Your grandmother had her chance. But her heart was softened by the generosity of a land dweller. We've been watching you, Naim. I don't know if I said that right. (laughs) Um, And your wish for death is even smaller than this piddle. You're too angry for death, too truthful to deceive the world with your passing. My death would be a lie? Yes, Naim. just as your grandmother's was. You pulse with greatness. That pulse does not die with your body. It shifts. It moves. It lives on until your prophecy is fulfilled, whether in this life or the next. This really spoke to me because when um, Brent brought up the ending, and you know, just as you were talking about it, I read it more as like, Oroxy was like, yeah, it was, it was, it was dark, the ending, and, and, and sad, but she was taking ownership of her power. Right. And she, to me, I, I, I looked at it I can be like, no, that's not what I was intending to do, but I felt like there's so much more that could be written about a Roxy mm-hmm. because, you know, we're seeing this small moment of her life that um, I just got the sense that she is going to grow in even a bigger better way and she can teach i I don't know i just really felt like she was owning her power and she was just on to bigger and better things Mm -hmm. and sometimes we do make choices that are impulsive sometimes we do make damaging things and we hurt people but that is the complexity of being human Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. so talk to me just about when you were writing that like Paragraph about anger and channeling that anger and how it can push us to do great things.
3: Mm -hmm. I definitely believe that there is, you know, there's multiple sayings, there's multiple like um, platitudes that say, you know, the older you get, the less friends you have. Um, Doing great things means losing awful people type things, things like that. You hear these kinds of platitudes and you don't really understand them until you go through it yourself. Um, So to your point, I definitely agree that it's her walking into her greatness for sure. It's still gonna be lonely. It's still a lonely path. When you choose your greatness, when you decide to be selfish in that way, selfish, my father always told me, Selfish is not a bad thing. It's when you're narcissistic is when it's an issue. Um, but selfish is not a bad thing because you end up on the path that you're supposed to be on. Because you take care of yourself first. and Because you can't pour from an empty cup. So uh-huh. you have... I definitely agree with you in the sense of her of a Roxy walking into her greatness into walking into something bigger than what than if she had grabbed a mitt and then reduced herself to just making up with a mitt and trying to make this perfect life with her a mitt and this baby. Um, I definitely agree that that she's definitely walking into a bigger power. And I wanted to just exemplify that a lot of my write- writing process comes from being pissed off. Um, and I was pissed off as a child because I was loving all these stories, but I wasn't seeing myself. Um, and anytime I did see myself, it was a struggle song. It was the slave narrative. It was the... I love the color purple but at the same time you and me will never like come on like <laughs> <laughs> there's so much more to us than that there's so much more we're allowed to explore what scares us we're allowed to explore our greatness and what it takes to become that greatness so
0: I love that Yeah. And I just want to add something too at the, at the end there that, like you said, stepping into that, even though she's alone, like that, just that moment of stepping up on to that creature and how it feels beneath her feet and looking down on those people, you just, what, you know, what you said and what you set out to do uh, was just in that moment, I just felt it. I felt that that was her moment, you know, she's stepping up and that, and that was her time. And it just was, Beautifully, beautifully done. So, thank you. I commend you for this story. The story is amazing, absolutely amazing. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so
2: much. Yeah, yeah it was awesome. really. It's, I think it's my um, favorite story I've
1: read in a really long time, Nick. Yeah, it's. Uh, you guys have asked some really excellent questions and I've enjoyed just sitting back and listening to the responses here. So much appreciated to, to you guys, but I really love this too. I going to get a hard copy as well. And I feel like there's a masterclass in here on description and word choice. Uh, it's so beautifully done in the words that you use in here. I was on an emotional journey the entire time and I didn't know where it was going to go or when it was going to stop. But like you had me captivated from the first sentence. So Mm -hmm. I just want to say thank you for writing it and letting us talk to you about it. I thank you so happy with it.
3: Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is, this is incredible. Well,
0: Well, we we have one more question. We usually have one more question, but can I get, can I throw a caveat on it though? Will? Uh, yeah. just a brief little thing. You mentioned in the at the top of the show um writers block, right? Mm-hmm. Um and we we I want to acknowledge that that's kind of where you're at where you're at right now. Mm-hmm. Um but will do you want to ask the last question or should I just roll into it? <laughs> I've Don't already roll into I, it. I've already gotten, into <laughs> it. Into yeah. already gotten there. So our last question usually is and I want to acknowledge your writers block, but what what ke- our last question is what keeps you writing? So all of, with writer's block in mind, knowing that you will write after this, what is going to keep? What is going to keep you writing?
3: Just wanting more stories out there for us. Just writing for the six-year-old me who loved Groom's fairy tales and who loved Guillermo Batista's uh, fairy tales and. Who the 12-year-old who loved Fear Street and oh. the 14-year-old who loved Clive Barker. Like, I just, I want to write for her. I want to write for them. Um, I want to write for... I just want to write for the joy of it because I do enjoy writing. I do. It's torturous when it leaves me, but when it comes back, it is the, is the perfect partner so
2: I love it well thank you so much this was great I hope you um enjoyed absolutely absolutely I hope you you. enjoyed
0: your time with us and we can't thank you enough for being on the show seriously it was a pleasure meeting you and your writing is brilliant I can't wait to read more
3: thank you thank you so much thank you I'm honored that you're that you had me
0: And this has been Just Keep Writing, a podcast for writers, by writers, to keep you writing. You can find us at justkeepwriting.org. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Feel free to reach out to any of us on our social medias, and please jump in our Just Keep Writing Discord channel. Links to all of that is in the show notes. Lastly, please support our show by going to patreon.com slash justkeepwriting. We offer daily writing prompts, early access to podcast episodes, and much more. Thanks for listening, and just keep writing.